Hi, everyone. I have a new guest on the Three Bakes Baby podcast today, and her name is Tiffany Gardner. She's going to share a lot about, well, about her story and about her advocacy work within the donor-conceived community, donor-conceived person community. And so welcome, welcome today, Tiffany. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And tell, tell us a little bit about your kind of your story. And I, I also want to hear about how, when you entered the scene, so to speak, of advocacy for donor-conceived people. But first, yeah, tell me about like, did you always know you were donor-conceived? So interestingly, I am a late discovery donor-conceived person. I found out at 35, which will have been four years ago, coming up four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. (laughs) Time flies coming up this coming March. But I always knew that I was not related to the dad who raised me because Mm -hmm. when I was four, my first father, who I was always told was my biological father, died of cancer. And so mm-hmm. when my mom remarried, when I was six, um, my stepfather adopted me. And so legally he was like my birth father. He was on my birth certificate and everything. Mm-hmm. And I never considered him a stepfather. He was just dad, but I knew that we were not biologically related. And so mm-hmm. I grew up with the narrative of having lost my father to colon cancer at 36 mm-hmm. and that was a very important piece of forming my identity. And even though I had just this really great relationship with my dad who raised me, um, there's just naturally always going to be some, some wondering about what was this other person like and Mm -hmm. what parts of that person did I get or not get? And And when did you realize that, that he wasn't your biological dad? father? Well, at 35, when my mom told me, but even growing up, you know, there's, there's always, um, there are are stories about people who are donor conceived and even adoptees who don't know that, um, you hear the the phrase I knew before I knew Mm -hmm. because there are parts of yourself that just don't quite make sense. Yeah. In fact, the Diane Enrensaft, who I quoted in my book, says it, she calls it the, see if I get, hopefully I get this right, the thought unknown, the, and which is weird. I think that I, I might have that wrong, <laughs> but it's, is it ba- the it's unknown backwards. known or the known unknown, <laughs> something like that. See, or we're going to do that. Right. Unknown thought, the thought unknown or the unthought known. Ah, there it is. Boom. There you go. That unthought sounds right. known, which means if you got to end it, hang on. I know Wait, let's pause to think about this unthought known. It means you've never even maybe even had the thought that your biological parent wasn't right. the biological parent. Like people go, am I adopted? Right. No, would, right. Did you adopt? no not even that thought. So it's yeah, unthought. Why would, you? Yeah. <laughs> why would you have that thought? Yeah. yeah. Even though I know some people say, I always thought I was adopted in my, in my family. I was so different, but, but this, this is her concept is you don't even have that thought, but there's mm-hmm. something you, you still know something's different. So it's, yes. it's known in the depths yes. of your being but you maybe even never had the thought. Yes, that, that was definitely me. I would look at pictures of my first dad and his parents and everybody on his side of the family. And I could not see one single physical resemblance to any of them. There, there was 
maybe some resemblance to his father, my grandfather's eyes, but that was the one thing that I hung on to where I was like, this is definitely the one physical feature I got from them. And the rest is all my mom, except for all these other just random little parts of my physical features that don't really fit in anywhere. And I'm just not sure where those came from. And the same thing with my personality. Um, there were just some very strong core components of who I was that I did not see reflected in anybody. Yeah. And the, num- the number one thing with that was art. Um, whenever I tell my story, that's like really central to, to my discovery and to my kind of feeling of otherness from my family. Yes. That I yes. was the only, only one with artistic talent. Um, from my known at that point, genetic family. And it was the thing I most loved. And I wanted to take art lessons as a kid, but we moved around a lot. So my parents always wanted me doing something that would have me meeting other children and making friends and Mm. art lessons are not going to do that. And then uh, in high school, I, I wanted to pursue art as a career and I got into art school for college and my parents just refused to even entertain the idea <laughs> of that mm-hmm. being where I went next in life. So, wow. so um, you d- they didn't accept that part of you really? Yeah, no, they, they really, I don't, I know now since my discovery that they did not appreciate how much it meant to me. And also the fact that I actually genuinely was talented and that it wasn't just some sort of like fluke thing. Oh, so they didn't get to really see you. Yeah. I mean, I know they appreciated it. They would come to art shows. They were always proud when I won something and, you know, my mom would display my artwork, but it didn't really register for them that that could have been a career for me. And that Mm -hmm. that was just really a very essential part of my makeup. Yeah. Um, And then did you find out that your biological father or birth or what do you call him? uh, I call him biological father. Okay. Um, That your biological father is an artist. I did. Yes. Yes. And that (laughs) at that moment I was like, Oh wow. You know, this thing I was searching for my whole life. Like um, I used to think, Oh, I must've I, it must've skipped a couple generations and I must've inherited it from my mm. grandmother's father or her grandfather, who was a sign mm. painter it, like that. Oh, I, wow. I was constantly trying to find who is my genetic relative that I got this from. Yeah. You were searching. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just seemed very strange to me, but no, uh, in fact, my biological father, after I identified him through a DNA test, it turns out he was an art teacher and oh my gosh. A, an artist by trade. And oh the type of art that he produces is exactly the same type that I enjoyed producing. Are you kidding me? I uh, no, I mean, it just what? watercolors, portraits, very uh-huh. photorealistic looking paintings. Um, wow. Just the exact same thing. And actually yeah. my, my oldest son has inherited the gene as well. So it's a strong gene. <laughs> it got passed wow. down, not only to me, sure is. but also my son. So that, wow. yeah, that part is really cool. Oh, wow. And so it probably felt you, you, you really, would you say like connected some dots? Well, maybe that's not a good analogy. Like what would analogy would you use for that moment that you saw that connection? Did you feel like more whole or absolutely? Yeah. Yes. 
it was the most incredible discovery I could ever imagine making, which I never would have imagined making it because yeah. I had no doubt in my mind that I belonged to this set of parents genetically. And mm. I was maybe just a little bit special in good ways and, and other ways that I didn't think were very good. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it was really amazing and like a light bulb moment. Yeah. You know, I think the most powerful thing is to, to know ourselves. And so when you're searching for that, where does this come from or who even can share this trait with me and enjoy this same trait. Mm -hmm. And that is for you, you didn't have that growing up. So to be able to, to have that now, it, does it give you a sense of almost not just knowing yourself better, but I mean this, and maybe I'm just speaking from experience, but almost like loving yourself more too. Yes. Because it, yes. you, yeah. Cause you feel like more validated in absolutely. That's the yeah. word. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. And I had given up art after the whole, you're not going to art school thing because I, and I've talked about this with my own therapist. I think that the way I translated that in my mind was I'm not good enough at this. And my parents don't mm. have faith in this part of me. So oh, wow. they don't think I can do it. So I'm just, I'm going to give it up. Mm-hmm. And I focused on my other loves and interests, which were, which were reading and writing. Okay. And that's what I pursued. Mm-hmm. Not that that uh, is much more lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> An English literature degree does not make that much more money than a fine arts degree. <laughs> yeah. And then you would have been so much happier, like doing your first passion. Yeah. So. You know, I, I do think now a lot of what ifs, like how would my life have mm-hmm. been differently? Yep. yep. And I'm not saying I would trade where I am now under any circumstances because so much of where I ended up wouldn't have happened. And I'm really happy with where I am, but I do wonder, I do wonder what life would have been like if I had taken that route the way my biological father did and the way I'm, I mean, I'm really, I mean, my son just loves it and I'm letting him take art classes. I'm not making him do sports if that's not what he wants to do. And yeah already the teacher is saying that he's just massively talented. Oh, so I'm, that's so, ex- I bet you that's yeah. really healing for you to be able to, to, to kind of experience it a second time, but the way that it would have, you would have liked for it to happen for you. Right. Yes. Your son. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm trying to get back into it myself. When I did discover who my biological father was, I started drawing again and I couldn't believe that despite a very, very long hiatus of nearly 20 years, I could still do it. And I was better at it now than I was when I stopped in high school. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's been fulfilling to try to pick that up and find a place for that in my own life, not just through my son. Well, and how did you find your biological father and you found out at 35 and then to take us through what happened next? Well, because I had always had this desire to sort of figure out what parts of me came from my deceased father and had always sort of regretted not taking anything away from my dad who raised me, but just having lost a father at four, I've got about four memories of him. And Mm. most of what I know about him came from the stories that other people thankfully shared and from the photographs that I had of him. But there was still the fact that he's gone and I will never have the chance to sit down and have an adult conversation with him or really mm-hmm. make any kind of, of meaningful memory besides just little fleeting moments that I have from when I was a child. 
Mm-hmm. So when I found out that I was donor conceived, number one, it felt like the ultimate betrayal, of course, by my parents, just my mom had always been my best friend and I thought told me everything and I told her everything. And so for, for her to have kept that a secret from me, particularly the medical history bit, because I was mortally afraid I was going to die of cancer in my thirties, um, that I thought was just, I, I still, to this day, am trying to work through how, how she could have done that because I know that that's not really her personality type. And I know a great weight was lifted off of her when she did finally tell me, mm-hmm. but when she did tell me, um, there was no thought in my mind that I needed to find my biological father. Mm-hmm. And I went home that same day and I ordered a test from, um, ancestry.com. And the moment it came, I spit into it and took it right back to the post office. So I got the results a few weeks later and I matched with two half brothers, which immediately confirmed that I, of course, was donor conceived. Mm -hmm. Um, And it confirmed it not only for me, but also for my mom. So you, was she part of this process at that point, your mom? She knew I was doing it. I mean, she, she never said, don't look. She never said, uh, this shouldn't be a big deal to you because she's actually a very, very active genealogist. She has built and is still building just an absolutely massive family tree. And she told me later that it always made her uncomfortable when she was putting in relatives for me that she knew were not genetically my relatives. And Mm -hmm she has her own kind of mystery in that she's not sure the identity of, I think it's her, either her, I think it's her great grandfather or her great, great grandfather. Mm. And so she's hit this own wall where she wants to know these answers about herself and and her parents and where they all came from. Mm. And I think she felt guilt that she was essentially putting in false information that I believed was true. And, um, Mm-hmm. was sort of perpetuating this lie in perpetuity <laughs> yeah. family trees. So mm-hmm. uh, she was very supportive. My dad, on the other hand, my dad who raised me, he was not pleased when my mom told me the truth. He had a cousin who was adopted and she struggled throughout her life to try to identify her biological parents and was unable to do so. And it really, I think, in his opinion, kind of destroyed her and contributed to a lot of um, mental health problems and and some substance abuse. And he was very scared that I would not have a positive outcome because he, he knew my personality type. I mean, he said, I hope you're not going to go home and, and order a DNA test. And I was like, well, I already did. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. But he knew that I wouldn't stop till I found answers. And he knew there was potential that I would never find answers or that I would find an unsatisfactory answer. And that maybe this guy was going to be a jerk. Maybe I was going to get rejected. There were mm-hmm. any number of potentially bad outcomes that he did not want for me. So it wasn't mm-hmm. that he didn't want me to search because he felt threatened per se. Although I later although you wonder, he, yeah. Yeah. Although I later learned that you know, he did confine to my mom that he was concerned it might change my relationship with him, but they never, they never told me you shouldn't do this. It was more just concern for my well-being from my dad Mm -hmm. outwardly. Yeah. And I think the concern 
you can be concerned, but you can, that if, unless you understand that drive or need to find the answers, the, it's like, which is worse having a bad experience or never knowing mm-hmm. and wanting to know, like what right. they don't realize is that not searching or not getting answers can be as tormenting for some as, as searching and getting an answer. Maybe that's not as favorable as they hoped for. Would you agree? Right. Or? Yes. I mean, I, there's definitely people I know who are donor conceived that just don't wonder like my, oh, yeah. my donor conceived yeah. brother, I think, um, I think if he'd been one to find out and searched and never had answers, I don't know that it would have bothered him necessarily, but that's not my personality type. Mm-hmm. It just, I think depends on your personality type. Yeah, definitely. And so, but for your, your dad to want to protect you, what he wasn't was missing is that, that you were already, that you needed to know, and that was already bothering you. So you were already feeling angst and frustration, right? Right. right. Yes. Or, or what would you describe? What were you feeling at that point? I was, I mean, in a weird way, so I I grieved the loss of my first father all over again, because it felt like he died all over again. Mm. This giant part of who I thought I was, even if there had been lingering questions about why the puzzle pieces didn't quite connect, Mm -hmm. there was still this just feeling of intense grief over that. Mm. Um, I guess it's sort of a form of ambiguous loss in a sense, because Mm -hmm. I've been dead for quite some time, but I just lost him in an entirely new way. But on the other hand, there was this feeling of great excitement. Like I've got a second chance here to, Mm -hmm. to my actual biological father might still be alive. Maybe I'm not going to die of colon cancer in my thirties, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a potentially a, a really good outcome here. Mm-hmm. So it was just a very strange combination of feelings. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't, I know some people get the news and they sort of sit on it and wait. And that's not me. I just, mm-hmm. I needed answers immediately and as soon as possible. And mm-hmm. that's what I sought out. So I know, you know, we shared, um, or you shared a post for those that aren't on Instagram, Tiffany and I collaborated on a post that, that you said something that was so powerful. You said, even if I search for, um, biological family, I still want you meaning your parents to be home. Right. And I, I just thought that was, it was really touching because that was something that you came up with and, um, and was just very powerful because I think that's a feeling that not, that is so many people feel and, and maybe it don't really voice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you can want to search for biological family, but that doesn't mean that you're, that you want to ruin or sever or, you know, anything that, that uh, with your family that raised you. Right. You still want them to be the same family, that same place that feels like comfort and home. And tell us a little more about that. Yeah. In my mind, there was just never, I never entertained the thought of, oh, I'm going to have two dads now. I, mm-hmm. I already had two dad dads, you know, two people that mm-hmm. to some extent had raised me, you know, my, my first father, unfortunately he died. So when I was so young that I don't, again, have a lot of memories, but he was still my dad, you know, Mm -hmm. he he went into it. He was the one that had an infertility problem. And he was the one that convinced my mom that it was worth pursuing donor 
conception to make their mm-hmm. dream of having a family come true. And, and then my dad who raised me, I just, it, it always insulted me when people referred to him as my stepfather or mm-hmm. not my real dad, because that was just so far from the truth. He wasn't a stepfather. He was my father. He was my father in the eyes of a court of law. And he was mm-hmm. my father and is my father in my eyes. And no one could ever take that place. Mm-hmm. You just, you cannot replace the person that has done the hard work and has been there to support you. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad, unfortunately passed away, um, in what year was it? All these years run together now, 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still the person that I would call for retirement planning advice mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. when something goes weird with my car and there's a strange sound, like, he's <laughs> yep. the person I want to call because that's yep. my dad. Yep. And yep. Mm-hmm. The, the desire to answer sort of more philosophical questions about yourself and your identity Mm -hmm. is in no way a reflection of how you feel and, and the value you place on the parents that raised you because those, Mm -hmm. those people are irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm not speaking for everyone. I know that there are certainly people out there that maybe have not had a wonderful relationship with the parents who raised them. Yeah. But but for those who have had a supportive and loving relationship with their family, I just Mm -hmm. don't see that, that there is a danger of a loving and supportive parent ever being replaced by the desire to find genetic family. Did you ever feel a sense that you were going to lose that, that quote unquote home? Um, Did you feel scared about it disrupting something that it would change your relationship with your parents? I didn't, but I also didn't talk with them about it a great deal once I did make contact with my biological father because mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't want to in a way pour salt in the wound mm-hmm. in a sense and I don't okay. really know what I mean by wound just that I know that growing up I often felt uncomfortable talking about my first father in front of my dad who raised me because I didn't mm-hmm. want to hurt his feelings okay yeah You're and protecting. so I Mm-hmm. And that, <laughs> that's something that even I think early disclosure to your children, just because mm-hmm. they're not talking about mm-hmm. your donor or their, um, biological parent that, that donated, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even as a young child, you can sense or know that you might say something that would hurt your parents. That's right. And mm-hmm. I was very intuitive about that. And it's uncomfortable, even as a kid, sort of walking on eggshells when you want to talk about one person, but the other person's in the room, or how mm-hmm. do I describe this person when I'm with my other family? It can be very awkward. And so I took those lessons into this search for my um, genetic family. And with mm-hmm. the the reunion, I don't even know if you can call it a reunion. I don't even know what you what the right term is for finding my biological father. Mm-hmm. And I've primarily spoke to my mom about it and I would share pictures with my mom mm-hmm. and I would let her filter whatever information she felt was safe <laughs> to my dad, because I, I didn't want to get on the phone with my dad and say, Oh, Hey, Mark and I had lunch today for three hours. And we talked about blah, blah, blah. That just, mm-hmm. that felt like that would be wrong, but mm-hmm. he knew I was meeting 
with, with my biological father. He knew that we had a great relationship and my mom always told me, your dad and I are so happy for you. We are just so happy that this has worked out and mm-hmm. that Mark is such a nice guy. And, mm-hmm. um, but so, I didn't overshare. <laughs> I didn't overshare. Let's just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, there's, a, there's, I guess, maybe a point at which you can, you can only go so far. What, right. um, in, in some, in some situations and maybe others have different experiences, like you've said, well, I know you mentioned in the post that there was a moment with your mom. I don't know if you want to talk about this or not, but where she kind of lashed out and said, would you rather had your, your biological father as a dad? Yes. So my dad got diagnosed with cancer in June of 2019. And around that same time, I hit the one year mark of, of having a relationship with my biological father. And, mm-hmm. um, we, my father, my biological father and I got lunch together every few weeks and had really long conversations each time we would text each other very frequently. Sometimes we'd call on the phone. I met his wife. He met my husband and my husband met his wife. Um, we exchanged minor presents. It just, it, it was just a really great solid, I thought, relationship. And then everything went downhill after he told finally his adult sons that we had been meeting for a year. Mm -hmm. Um, They had believed that he had initially blown me off when I first reached out. And then when he changed his mind and decided that he, he had to meet me despite his family not being thrilled with the idea, Mm -hmm. uh, he decided that even though his wife knew and was okay with it, he was not going to tell his sons. And so mm. when the cat was finally let out of the bag, it caused a lot of drama with his family. And I don't know everything that happened, but a few days after my dad was diagnosed with cancer, I woke up to an email from my biological father saying that we weren't going to be in contact anymore. Mm. And so uh, just got blocked all over the internet. I'm blocked on LinkedIn. <laughs> Like, oh, no. man, you've really done it. If you get lo- blocked on LinkedIn. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so that, that was really horrible and traumatic because at the same time I'm watching a second father just wither away from cancer. Oh, and so both of that happened in June. My dad passed away in August. Um, a few weeks before my dad passed away, his mom passed away. And then mm-hmm. in January of 2020, my grandmother, who was my first father's mother and was just one of my absolute best friends and in some ways, um, almost like a parent to me with how close we were, she passed mm-hmm. away. So I had this like cascading waterfall of just hit after hit after hit after hit of <sighs> loss. And I was in a really dark place in January, 2020. And so my mom, God bless her. She looked up my biological father and called him. Oh my gosh. And basically said like, I'm concerned about my daughter, you know, because my biological father knew how close I was with my grandmother and, um, I I had texted him about my dad's cancer diagnosis before he sent his breakup email, but he never acknowledged it. So my mom wanted him to know, like my grandmother has died and my dad has died. And 
she she told him that the way he had ended things with me was just really inappropriate because of how close we had become. Mm. And um, she just wanted to be on my side. You know, she was, mm-hmm. it was really mm-hmm. validating to have my mom just be the one person kind of who was able to stick up for me mm-hmm. and actually <laughs> acting like I would want to act for my child. You know, like you, mm-hmm. you mess with my child, mama bear's coming for you. Yeah which I never thought she would call him, but she was kind of the one person, I guess, that, that would have the interest in doing so. Mm. And after that, he, he did text me with his condolences, but Mm -hmm. all doors have remained shut since then. Mm. And so after she did that, I was still in just a lot of grief and trying to deal with all this loss. And, and there was, there came a moment, I don't know if we were on the phone or if it was over text message where I think her own grief kind of caught up with her as well. And she said, well, would you have rather Mark have raised you and been your father than your dad? Hmm. And especially after her having stood up for me and, and yeah. just sort of gone above and beyond that really hurt because it mm-hmm. made me feel like, I had done something wrong and and I still don't feel like I did. I, I don't think that there was anything unnatural about wanting to connect with him when we were connecting. It was just like the, the best case scenario, I think. And I was Mm -hmm. really at peace with everything, even though my parents had, you know, massively (laughs) betrayed my trust. I, Mm -hmm you know, Mm -hmm. having, having that kind of an ending was me making lemonade from the lemons. And it was when all of that ended and really ended quite so abruptly and at such a horrible time in my life already. And, and in such a terrible way that I just sort of broke and Mm. all of a sudden everything just became really unacceptable. And, Mm. um, so yeah, I, you know, I think, since then, since the post that you and I did, my mom texted me and said, I don't remember lashing out at you. And, you know, I'm so sorry. And, and I just, you know, all I want is for, for you to have the, the best outcome possible with, with all of your family. And mm-hmm. I think that I'm really lucky because I do have such a supportive and understanding mom. And I know that there are many people in the donor conceived community who cannot say the same thing. And my mom has really embraced all of my advocacy efforts. And um, I don't talk with her really about the, the loss anymore because it still hurts too much to, to really talk about that with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that she has a better grasp and understanding now, especially reading the things that I post that I she don't- She reads them. Okay. She, yes, she does read them. She, she interacts with them. She leaves messages oh, wow. sometimes on them, mm. mostly on Facebook. She doesn't do Instagram. Okay. But, yeah. you know, I think it's understandable to, to be concerned about what this means for your place in your child's life. I, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's an unnatural feeling. Mm-hmm. I think there are so many complicated emotions that come out in these situations on just every single side. Yeah. And we just have to try to see it from the other person's perspective. And, and that for recipient parents, I think that just means 
sort of coming to terms with your own grief, maybe. Yeah, it's doing the emotional work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I know that that's got to be just so hard to to have that fear. Mm -hmm. But don't be afraid of your child. Yes. And that's what we talk about, distinguishing the difference between it, your child's feelings and your feelings. And right. in fact, we just covered that this week in the workshop I'm doing with parents. And we talk a lot about empathy and, and dismissing how, you know, we have all, we all don't, it, the like emotional intelligence is not something probably most of us were raised having that, mm-hmm. you know, high emotional intelligence. And so as adults, and we're not teach, we're not taught it in school really. Right. So we have to learn this a lot of times as adults and because what emotional intelligence, we usually pass on to our children, whatever ours is, we pass that on because we model it. Right. So it's unlearning a lot of ways that maybe we were responded to and therefore mm-hmm. responding differently to our kids about their emotions. Right. Um, and separating, separating that what they say and do isn't a reflection of us as parents. And that's right. kind of a society thing that, you know, our culture is really about that. I mean, you look at, I mean, this is not a bad example. I don't think, think it's cute, but like the twinning, you know, when you have like wearing the same clothes as your little oh, right. person and, and that's right. just, it's fun. It's cute. But at the same time, there's this idea that we're supposed to be, that they're supposed to be like us and they're supposed to be little mini versions of us. And that's not fair to them because that's not, they are their own person. So it's like not putting the, our, our living vicariously through yes. our children, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> interesting you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Because when I was talking about my son inheriting this fantastic artistic ability, I, I want to support that, but I have to keep reminding myself, he might not be as passionate about this in the long term as you were. And that's mm-hmm. okay too. Yeah. Yeah. And that absolutely. I cannot take it personally. If one day he says, I'd rather play baseball. I don't want to do art lessons anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Um, just because I would have loved to have had the opportunity to take art lessons all the time. I cannot hold that against him that he wants to pursue something else because mm-hmm. he's his own person and we are not carbon copies of each other, even yes. though we clearly share a lot of things in common. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so then, I mean, you mentioned you had this kind of like breaking point and then is that when the advocacy work began? That yes, kind of, it really, it was after my grandmother died and after everything kind of just went to hell. That's just how I describe it. Mm -hmm. Um, I told my mom, I can't keep this a secret any longer. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not going to be open about it while my grandmother was alive because she never knew I was the only grandchild she had. And my first father was her only son. And it would have just destroyed her if, if she had known we were not genetically related. And Mm. my mom never told me because she made a promise to my first father that she would never tell. But at a certain point that became unsustainable and um, you know, just, she had to do it but we didn't have to tell my grandmother and she actually had dementia at the end. So mm-hmm. even yeah. if we had tried to explain it, she wouldn't have understood. So after she died, um, I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I feel like I am two different people and I personify a lie. Even if I have never intentionally lied to anyone, now I know that half of what I've ever described of, of who I am and where I came from genetically is a literal lie, including on my medical records. Um, when I applied for life insurance and told them <laughs> I might die of cancer in my, th- you know, just yeah. so many 
just domino effect implications. And by that time, this is one of my favorite parts of my story, even though it's still really sad. Uh, by that time, I had a half brother in my life who showed up on Ancestry the day after my dad died. I mean, mm -hmm. just the timing of it was just incredible. My dad dies on Sunday and on Monday, I have a new half brother who's showing up. Wow. And so far he is the only donor conceived sibling um, and, and only sibling I have that is um, paternal because I also my biological father has three sons that want nothing to do with me. But um, mm -hmm. Brad is the only donor conceived sibling who has been open to having ongoing contact. Mm -hmm. And by we met in August of 2019. And by January of 2020, we were celebrating birthdays together. And we had celebrated Christmas together. And we had celebrated mm -hmm. Thanksgiving together. And just we were all in on being siblings. Mm -hmm. And just our families had connected immediately. He lives 30 minutes down the road. Um, mm -hmm. He's got kids that are the same age as my kids. And I didn't want to keep that a secret anymore yeah. because there was, there was a lot of awful stuff going on, but then I had this one really great thing that I wasn't able to talk about and mm. share with the, the world yeah. at large because yeah. people didn't know who I was. They, mm. they still were operating under the assumption and belief that I was the daughter of this fantastic person who unfortunately died when I was four. And I, and I am his daughter, mm -hmm. but not genetically. And mm -hmm. yeah. And it, I, Did you I feel like a part of it, you was unseen, like invisible. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. I, I always take, um, I, I identify a lot with the lyrics from reflection by Christina Aguilera from Mulan. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you okay. listen to that song mm -hmm. and you're living this kind of double life, it will mm -hmm. bring you to your knees in tears. <laughs> just, mm of just sort of almost wearing this mask and, and wanting people to see you for who you actually are. Yeah. And so when I finally decided that I was going to come out and, and tell the truth, my mom was totally on board. She started making phone calls to members of my, my first dad's family and, and some of his best friends that were family friends and, and telling him. And then I, I did a, a public Facebook post really just kind of making the announcement. And, and I posted a picture of myself with my brother, Brad. And, and um, from then on out, I was posting a lot about sort of the roller coaster of emotions and grief that I was experiencing mm -hmm. from the experience and, and the rejection by my biological father. And it was nice to be able to be open about that and sort of have more support as I was going through it. Um, but it was only last no, earlier this year, when you did International Donor Conception Awareness Day, mm -hmm. that I decided that I was going to be like really public about it and start my own social media accounts that were just devoted to this topic. Yeah, that's yeah. And so then, but before that, you were commenting and sharing your yes. experiences yes. and feelings about being donor conceived on, right. on social media. Okay. Right. And then you got, now you have a dedicated account to that, that you are now creating posts and sharing, sharing your message, um, that way as well. Yes. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I had to pull up the song while you said that. So I just want to read a couple of it. So I know I'm kind of jumping around here a bit, but sure. it says, um, this part really hit me. It's kind of a reflection of what you said. Now I see, and the name is reflection. So there you go. Now I see that if I were truly 
to be myself, I would break my family's heart. Who is the girl I see staring straight back at me? Why is my reflection someone I don't know? And this, that some, this part is really good. Somehow I cannot hide who I am, though I've tried. So I think that's, that's all that search for identity and not, mm-hmm. not just because we need, you want to know yourself, your own identity, but because you want that to be seen by others as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's really and my kids and my kids, you know, I, yeah. so much of this, I don't know how I would have responded if it would have been differently, if, if I'd made this discovery before I had three children of my own, mm-hmm. but it had a lot of implications for me as a parent and considering mm-hmm. the best interests of my sons. So it's really interesting that all of this started because my parents wanted to have a child. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there are a lot of implications for that next generation that comes along down the family tree. Um, not just medical information, but I understand my sons so much better now, now that I have met my biological father and wow. he has told me about things he encountered while raising his sons, my brothers. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I learned medical information that has been really invaluable in you know, getting uh, treatment or interventions for, for some of the things that we've experienced with, with my boys. And I'm really glad that I found this out when they're young, because I just don't think it would have been fair to not have a, a full deck of playing cards as a parent myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. So I could talk to you more about masking, but, um, maybe we'll say that for another one, because that's kind of like a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic that, <laughs> but it, it, it basically, it's kind of what it, it goes into what we just talked about, about mm-hmm. trying to find out who you really are, understand yourself. So you can be the true expression of yourself and not try to mask and be somebody that, that you think your parents want you to be. Right. Um, and again, that can yes. happen in any family, but it's more, um, what would you say? Like more highlighted or more, maybe there's more of a charge or can be around, around it. If you have a missing genetic parent in your life, whether it's through the parent leaving or through death or through, right. you know, so you experienced it almost, you've experienced it twice. You had the, the death of your parent and then the loss of him at thinking he was your genetic mm-hmm. parent or biological parent. So the, those are, it's like two losses, right? Major ones. And then your dad died as well. So it's like, for you, it's like complicated grief. It's just piled on top. Yes. Now I have a, a therapist who specializes in complicated <laughs> good. grief. Good. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Yes. Because it's layers. It is. It is. And every time I would talk about one, I would start crying about the other. Because sure. They're all, they're all together. No way to mm-hmm. sort of separate this just tangle of Christmas lights that you know, got wrapped right. in my lap. You know, you, it's you pull on this side, you're pulling on that side. It just, it's all yeah. together. It's stored the same place in the brain and, and it piggybacks on each other. So it's all, yeah, you're right. It's all tangled up yes. uh, a bunch of Christmas lights all tangled up together. And so it can make it really confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why probably the grief came up for you. And then your mom said, well, would you rather? And, and, you know, she didn't know, but what, what, what you were going through is like made sense is that of course these are all going to be tied together. 
Right. And then when, but when somebody in our family said, you know, kind of makes us feel, makes, made you feel in this case ashamed or like you were doing something wrong when all you're really doing is grieving. You're not doing yes. anything wrong. You're grieving and you're trying right. to untangle these Christmas lights that are all twisted up. And um, how can you do that if someone then makes you feel guilty or like you're hurting them by trying to do your own work? I mean, ooh, right. talk about adding on more complexity. Another, that's like a, a whole nother group of tangled lights to add into yes. the mix, you and know? Yeah. And especially like you were saying, when you still want that person to be your home, I mean, your parents yes. ideally are your rock and your foundation. Mm -hmm. You, you learn as a child, when I have a problem, I go to mommy and daddy. If, if mm -hmm. I'm lost in a store and I can't find mm -hmm. mommy or daddy, my adrenaline goes up. I got to find mommy and daddy. They're going to exactly, make me feel yeah. better. And you don't lose that when you become an adult. I mean, you still, I, mm -hmm. I still needed my mom to be there for me. Mm -hmm. And to have your intentions or your emotions questioned by your lifelong rock is just the ultimate shake to your foundation. <laughs> Wait, what did I do wrong? <laughs> yeah. And then you can see the gravity of that, like the weight of that, just how confusing when you get those layers of complexity like that and then mm -hmm. nowhere to go with it no support in fact the opposite of support from the mommy and daddy the home that you're looking for there can feel like no escape it can feel mm -hmm. very very daunting for people that are trying to do this work to and to just to even to be understood so i think the message of this is like we get you we understand you we're here for you you're not alone and to know that there are resources out there that um, are there to, to help. And, and you're one of them, your accounts. So let's, yeah, let's share your accounts. So people that are listening can, that want to connect with you can. Sure. So on Instagram, I am at Tiff, T I F F underscore D C underscore adult. And on Facebook, I am at out of the shadows D C. And then I'm also on Twitter, but much less actively as at mm -hmm. Tiff, T-I-F-F -F, guard, G-A-R-D. Okay. Yeah. So connect with her there. You can reach out and you're, are you open to, you know, private messages and stuff if people have questions? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think just continue. That's, that's, I would assume that's the goal of your advocacy work, right? What would you say, what is your, what calls you to the work? A lot of it started, I think, as part of my own journey of just sort of taking control of this and mm -hmm. being able to tell my story is the one thing that I can choose to do with this. Mm -hmm. And as far as an ultimate goal, I just want to share my perspective and hopefully change the way other people think about this, mm -hmm. whether, and I guess primarily the people that maybe would change the way they think about it would be the recipient parents who are going into this, particularly if they are in any way contemplating not telling their children. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. My message is don't do that. Yeah. Do not do that under any circumstances. There is no excuse that is a valid excuse for not telling your children. So that's mm -hmm. one of my goals is to get that message out. Okay. And yeah, then absolutely. also the message about anonymity and 
mm-hmm. how really traumatizing that is as well. Um, okay. Because in my perspective, yeah, I found my biological father, even though he was anonymous and yeah, he was open to meeting me. But now the fact that he was anonymous is being used as what I find a, is a very poor excuse to just treat another human being as garbage mm. and just kind of show them the door. So I think that there's so a lot of, of uh, layers of potential trauma with anonymity and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So my, yeah, my goal is just to sort of share my, my own unique story. Yeah. And hopefully change hearts and minds. Good. We'll definitely give Tiffany a follow if you're listening out there. And thank you so much for telling your story today. Thank you so much for having me. Great talking to you. You too. Thanks for listening. If you would like to follow me for more content, you can find me on Instagram at Jana Rupnow LPC and Facebook. And you can also grab a copy of my book, Three Makes Baby, on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and Target.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate it and share it with a friend if you like it. Have a great day.